You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Hey everybody, before we get to your calls and your problems, and you have problems, yes, you do, a word about Bristol Palin's big fat media tour last week. Maybe you caught her on every news station on earth, every cable news channel on the planet. Bristol Palin is the new spokeswoman for the Candies Foundation. Now, the Candies Corporation is a clothing corporation whose spokesmodel is Britney Spears, and they sell high heel shoes and thongs to tweens. And then they run on the side a foundation that encourages young women to abstain from having the sex that their clothes advertise them as being interested in and available for for perhaps 100 bucks a pop. And so they also hire Bristol Palin to try to undo some of the damage uh, that they themselves do to the flower of American youth. And Bristol Palin is the new spokeswoman for abstinence education in America. Ta-da! Knocked up Bristol Palin was flown from Anchorage, Alaska to Washington, D.C. with her demon spawn, Trollop, or Trigger, or Tristan, or Turnip, or whatever the fuck she calls it, to give a speech in which she said, backing away from her previous comments when she said that abstinence was, ta-da, unrealistic, and she is living proof of how unrealistic abstinence-only education is, Bristol Palin said, I think abstinence is the only 100% foolproof way to prevent pregnancy. You know, Bristol, darling, right off the top of my head, other foolproof, 100% foolproof ways to prevent pregnancy, mutual masturbation, oral sex, anal sex, outer course, sex toys your partner can insert into you, sex toys that you can insert your partner into. I'll give you a moment there to try to picture how that works. It's true, though. There's also erotic role play that doesn't culminate in vaginal intercourse and gay sex. Gay sex, Bristol. Oh. 100% foolproof. Not that there are fools out there having gay sex. I've had sex with some of them. But it's a 100% foolproof pregnancy avoidance strategy. You know, the whole abstinence thing that Bristol is promoting now because what she's really concerned about is her mother's political future with the conservative Christian whack job wing of the Republican Party. And that is the only wing. Every other wing of that palace is burnt to the fucking ground. She's concerned for her mom. And so she's got to backtrack from her previous statements that abstinence is unrealistic. The day after Bristol's big media tour, Barack Obama released his fiscal year 2010 budget, with, which entirely defunds abstinence education, abstinence-only education. Abstinence belongs in a sex education curriculum for young people. You know what? You can say no. You can not have sex. But if you choose to have sex, here's how you protect yourself. Here's how you protect yourself from disease. Here's how you protect yourself from pregnancy. Here's how you protect yourself from abusers and assholes and pieces of shit. It belongs as part of it, but what Bristol and her mother support and promote is abstinence only, where they only teach you to say no, and they don't teach you what to do uh, and how to fuck responsibly if you do decide to say yes. And that kind of sex education leads to the kind of Bristol-Levi crack-up that we've been witnessing. Uh, The Palins are not in a position to lecture anyone, least of all teenage girls, about how they should conduct their sex lives. Period. End of fucking discussion. Bristol Palin, go back to Anchorage. Go back to Wasilla. Shut your fool mouth. Go. 
This Rantcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage for details. Hey, Dan. My uh, fiancé and I are having an argument about um, how dumb people really can be when it comes to sex education. So I thought I would call my favorite um, sex advice columnist and sex educator and have him settle it. The question is this. Um, are people really so dumb as to um, not know the answer to this question, which I found on Yahoo Answers? Um, the question was, is she pregnant? And the uh, fellow wrote in and said, my girlfriend and I made love on the webcam while chatting. She's in a different state. We both had an orgasm. A little bit anxious about the pregnancy, though. We're not that ready. Please, serious answer. He, well, okay, he thinks that it's not it can't possibly be a real question because nobody is that completely delusional about how babies are made. Um, but you know, I've seen some pretty strange things and I think that it might be a real question. Uh, so the question is, do you think that it could be a real question? Do you regularly get questions that are that completely devoid of any sex education? I assure you that there are plenty of people out there who are that completely delusional and misinformed about how babies are made. And yes, I do hear from them. Uh, the classic example from the Savage Love archives, uh, pretty recent, just got it about a year and a half ago, letter from a guy who wanted me to back him up in an argument with his girlfriend that he couldn't get her pregnant if he stopped thrusting inside her after he ejaculated inside her without a condom on because it was the thrusting after ejaculation that would break open her eggs, plural. That child, that moron, Again, who didn't want to know if he was right or wrong. He knew he was right. He wanted backup in an argument he was having with his girlfriend. That moron is the product of, I hate to harp on it, it's particularly today when we get the great news that Barack Obama's defunding absence education once and for all from forever, $2 billion practically we've wasted on this uh, stratagem that made the problem worse. All the credible studies of absence education show that not only does it not work, people don't wait until they're married to have sex. It backfires. People who've had abstinence-only sex education um, become sexually active at just about the same time that people who've had comprehensive sex education. But when they become sexually active, they don't use condoms or birth control. So they're likelier to get pregnant as teenagers because that's when everybody becomes sexually active and to get a sexually transmitted infection. Congratulations, absence educators. Ta-da. Fuck off. Go away. Die. Um. But Dan, tell us how you really feel about absence education. Now, what was the question? Oh, yeah. Are people that delusional? Yes, people are that delusional. Yes, I get idiotic questions like that all the time. When you're, you tell people that if they are sexually active, if they even masturbate, masturbate is a sexual activity. You know, there's, a, there's a war right now. There's a Christian website out there selling T-shirts that say ex-masturbator because they want to talk kids out of masturbating now, too. It's not enough that they should pledge to remain virgins. They have to pledge to keep their hands out of their own pants. When you believe that ignorance of sex uh, and sexuality uh, is a virtue, you will bring your kids up to be appallingly ignorant. And if you put the zap on their head that masturbating is a sexual activity prohibited by God, they may conclude that you can get every terrible consequence that they've been sold about sex falling down on your head if you just masturbate, including disease, pregnancy. I've gotten questions from kids who thought they gave themselves gonorrhea. By masturbating alone. No sexual partners ever. They masturbated and then their urethras were sore, dudes, 
because if you masturbate pretty roughly, you can really kind of, uh, you know, scratch up the inside of your urethra. And these kids write me, these boys write me, oh, I think I gave myself syphilis or gonorrhea because my urethra itches. It burns when I pee. I must have gonorrhea. I got it masturbating as if gonorrhea is spontaneously generated like frogs out of mud, like Aristotle thought. Same thing with pregnancy. I'm sure there are girls out there who think that they can reproduce through parthenogenesis. I'm mispronouncing that word. Tech savvy at risk youth? Parthenogenesis. Which means no, no sex. Just like something happens. Something falls off the shelf and bang, there's a baby. There are kids out there who do believe that they can get pregnant by coming alone in a room looking at a computer that maybe their partner is looking at a computer hooked up to them at the other end of the earth. Yes, people are that stupid and we the citizens of the united states spent two billion dollars over the last 15 years making people just that stupid hi dan um i am a single straight woman in my late 20s and um you know at least by my own subjective opinion i'm beautiful i'm smart i'm self-aware really fun um you know According to my all, all of my friends, sort of a great catch. Everyone's always trying to set me up with people. Um, I've been single for a year and a half. Um, and in that time, the extent of my sexual contact with anyone has been two one-night stands, <laughs> both of which have sort of ended with me on the short end of the stick saying, wait a minute, you know, I wanted more and I wanted to be loved and cared for and... Um, I would say almost every person that I've slept with in my life, um, it's been within the first week, maybe even the first couple of days of starting to be intimate with them. I guess my question and what I would really like help with is sort of that finding that in-between place where you're dating. Like, I just don't have any concept of how to do that. <laughs> I'm either in these, you know, intense monogamous relationships or I'm... Um, having these one-night stands, and I don't know how to do the thing in the middle. But I don't, you know, feel like I'm necessarily going to find the one right now, but I'm lonely and would love to, you know, get a little snug in. in. <laughs> if what you're doing isn't working, try something else. You've done the one-night stand thing, and that's not landing you something regular, which is what it sounds like you want. You say you want to get some snug in, but you don't want to have a really intense romantic relationship, and you don't want to be monogamous right now. Um, and if one-night stands aren't getting you there, try something else. You know, one-night stand can get you there. One-night stand is often a really uh, good way of auditioning potential friends with benefits, as you straight people call them, or fuck buddies, as we gay people were calling them 20 years before you guys even thought of having them. Now, how do you get there? What do you do? You speak the fuck up. You, you were very articulate there on the phone uh, with me uh, or with my – voicemail and the text heavy at risk youth you say to the next guy that you're even thinking about getting with you know i've been you know i've had two speeds recently which is kind of a slam bam thank you man one night stand or a really intense relationship uh, you know too intense too fast too soon and all you gotta say is you know i want to try something different right now i want to do the middle thing just like you said i want to do the middle thing i want something regular but that's a little looser a little more casual uh where we can you know, date, as they used to call it, where we can not presume upon every minute, every free minute of each other's days, but we can rely on each other for some companionship and some 
Snuggies or whatever the fuck you called it. It sounds like one of those blankets with arms, but whatever. Works for you. You should do. And, and see how he reacts. You know, you're much likelier to get what it is that you want if you can articulate what it is that you want. And you did. You did just fine. But you articulated it to the wrong guy because I ain't going to fuck you. You got to articulate it to the guys that you are interested in. And when you lay things out, honestly, people react well to that. People are often afraid that if they lay out exactly what they want or what they're interested in, that they're going to scare people off. Because what if that person doesn't want what I want? Well, if that person doesn't want what you want, you're well rid of them. And if that person has some other expectation, maybe you're worth it. Maybe you're worth adjusting their expectations or changing uh, what they want or meeting you halfway or whatever. But they can't do any of that if you haven't told them what it is that you're looking for from them. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. And do I have a recommendation for you? Uh, me and the Tech Savvy At Risk Youth, or the Tech Savvy At Risk Youth and I, were dinking around. I think it's me in this case. But we were dinking around on Audible before the show. And did we find some interesting books? We went to the human sexuality section, which it had never occurred to me to go to before because I am leotarded where we found this title. And I am, honest to God, going to download this and listen to it because I think it sounds fucking hilarious. The Dark Desires of the Druids. One, Murder and Magic. Magic is spelled M-A-G-I-C-K, just in case you can go look it up for yourself. Uh, here's a little synopsis. Losing her virginity can mean ruin for a Victorian lady. For Raven Drake, it means freedom to explore her sexuality. As a magic girl in hiding, Raven subscribes to her culture's less prudish philosophy. Dot, dot, dot. Now, this is a book that I need to read. Because sometimes you just have to clear your mental palate. Sometimes you just have to read something where magic is spelled I-C-K. And remember, it's The Dark Desires of the Druids 1. Which means if you like it, there's more. Or maybe it's a threat that there might be more. There will be more if you do something rude about it on your podcast. But I'm no, I'm seriously downloading this today because I really want to find out what the hell happens to Raven Drake when she gets her magical cherry popped. And you can find out too if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage and get your free audiobook download today. Hi. So um, there's this boy and I really like him and he really likes me and we're both Jewish but he's more Jewish, more religious than me. And he's something called Shomer Nagia, which is where he, like, won't touch anybody of the opposite gender. So he, like, won't touch me at all, but he wants to be in a relationship with me. But he wants to be in a Shomer Nagia relationship with me. But the thing is, he wasn't always Shomer Nagia. This is a more recent thing. Like, he had sex earlier this year, but he won't touch me now that he wants to be in a relationship. So... I was just wondering. Oh, also, he gave me a book about Shomer Nagia, trying to convince me to be Shomer Nagia. I was just wondering how I convince, if I can convince him not to be Shomer Nagia, or what I should do. Oh my God! All this time, I thought I was gay. I didn't realize I was actually Jewish, with a bad case of the Shomer Nagias. I don't touch people of the opposite gender either, particularly with the end of my dick. Weird. Thanks for calling. Uh, here's the thing about this boy, uh, Jewish or not, Shemanagia or not, uh, Havanagila or not, whatever, he's fucking nuts, right? Or maybe he's not nuts. Maybe this is who he's going to be for the rest of his life, is a crazy fundamentalist fuckwit Jew. 
And they exist. They're out there. You know, the crazy fundamentalist fuckwit Christians, they get all the headlines. But they're not the only crazy fundamentalist fuckwits in the world. There's plenty of crazy fundamentalist fuckwit Jews and uh, Muslims and Hindus. Uh, crazy fuckwit fundamentalism is a plague. And it's not just Christians who are infected. It's just uh, they're the ones we're up to our necks in here in the United States. Uh, but if he's going to be a crazy fuckwit fundamentalist Jew the rest of his life, great. Uh, you shouldn't date him. Uh, you know, I wouldn't date him. If I were you, uh, I would go find a sane Jewish boy, a nice Jewish boy, or a nice non-Jewish boy who isn't doesn't think that God is going to throw up or hurl thunderbolts at him if he lays a finger on a girl. What the fuck do these Shamanagia types think God put girls on the earth with boys for? If God really didn't want boys and girls mixing a la fundamentalist Jewish nuts, a la fundamentalist Muslim nuts, he would have put you know, men on Mars and women on Venus, and then we would have met on Mercury every once in a while to fuck and make new ones and then send them off to their appropriate gendered planet. That's not the way it works. Simply human beings work. If you want to date him, whatever. But the reason I think you shouldn't date him, at least now, is you just can't trust people who pull massive 180s like that all the time. Now, maybe this is the only massive 180 he's going to pull. You know, he was fucking girls a year ago, and now he's, you know... Havana Gila and doesn't touch girls, right? Maybe this is going to stick. Maybe this is actually who he is and is going to be for the rest of his life. Maybe he's found his rock and he's going to sit his fucking fundamentalist whack job Jewish ass down on it forever. But I predict what's likelier to happen when somebody pulls a 180 like that, there's lots of 180s in his future. And you don't want to be there when he decides... You know, a year from now after you convert to whatever crazy bullshit he wants you to convert to and adopt whatever crazy religious practices he wants you to adopt, that, you know, he's a fundamentalist Christian now or he's a Mormon now or he's whatever now. Constancy is an underrated virtue. The time in your life when you should date is once you've figured out really basically, fundamentally, who the fuck you are. If somebody's still pulling donuts like this, 180s like this, they're not ready to date because they're still searching for who they are. And you could wed yourself to this man, literally or figuratively, and then, you know, he pulls his next 180 and realizes he isn't who he thought he was and realizes that you're not who he really wanted because the person that wanted you was that person he was six months ago and not the person he is now. Fuck off. Tell him to fuck off. I'm not telling you to fuck off. You need to tell him to fuck off and you need to go fuck off and find somebody else. Somebody who's not that crazy. Somebody who's, you know, we're all a little crazy. Find somebody a little crazy. You want crazy frosting on sane cake. This guy is eight inches of crazy ass frosting on a fucking saltine cracker. Hi, Dan. I'm a 20-year-old straight female and I first just wanted to say that I love your show and I listen to it whenever I do my laundry, which is pretty often... Um, also, my sister has a gigantic heterosexual crush on you, which I thought you would like. Um, but I do actually have a problem. So during sex, I like being on top, and I don't like being on top. I like it because it feels really amazing, and it gets me right to that point right before orgasm, but I hate it because I feel like my partner is bored. Like what I'm doing feels good for me, but not for him. And I can see it on his face, and it makes me feel really bad, and it makes me not want to be on top anymore, and therefore I lose the orgasm that I was building up to, and then I can't come. Because I can really only orgasm through, um, through penetration, and I mean, oral and all that is nice, but it doesn't really get me there, which I guess is kind of lucky and unlucky. Um, but it's kind of a dilemma, because he feels bad, and I feel bad. It was still fun. I don't know. 
So I guess what I'm asking is how can I make it fun for both of us when I'm on top so he doesn't get bored, but I can still come. First of all, uh, you need to tell your sister who's got her heterosexual crush on me that that is a <laughs> religion. I am a Hava Nagila monster, and I don't even want people touching me with their crushes from a distance because it offends G hyphen D, and I don't want to go to easy double toothpicks. Um, now, about your problem. I'll pass that message on. <laughs> now, about your problem, mm-hmm. you, you're on top. You know that that's not his favorite position, right? Right, it's yeah. dick hard. Yes. All right. Stop trying to read his face. Stop trying to check out whether he's blinking out in Morse code. Oh, my God, I can't wait till this is over. And just fucking enjoy it. Sometimes when it comes to sex, you do something for your partner that isn't your favorite thing because it gets them off. If he's making bored-ass faces to manipulate mm-hmm. you, he needs to stop it. Or you need to, like, put a leather hood over his head and lock it <laughs> so you can't see his full face. Or, you know, and I actually totally mean this, blindfold yourself once or twice. Or shut okay. your fucking eyes and take your pleasure and stop worrying about whether it's his favorite thing or not. One of the, the, the part of what you get from your sex partner is they do for you, you do for them. Are there some things that you do for him that he enjoys that aren't, like, on your top ten? Yeah. Would you? How but would you feel? I, I you enjoy that it gets him things? off. What? I enjoy that it gets him off. Does he enjoy that it gets you off when you're on top? I sure hope so. He must to some extent because his fucking yeah. dick is hard. <laughs> that is an instant runoff referendum right there. If his dick is hard, he's getting something out of it. Stop being so insecure. Stop being such a pleaser of men. Right. This point is right. some insecurity on your part, and a t- you know a typical sort of female hang-up about mm-hmm. you know if it's if it's working for him, then I can take pleasure in it. But if it's only working for me, it's not legitimate. You need to be a bit more masculine and aggressive about seizing your pleasure. There are going to be times when he's going to serve your pussy with his dick, <laughs> and that's the way it ought to be. Okay. You look down on him if you think he's making a bored-ass face. You should look down at him and say, you ever want a blowjob again? You will stop making that face. <laughs> and then ride it. I will absolutely say that next time. Stop making that face or I'm never sucking your dick ever again. You can actually make it part of a sexy game. You know, you knock oh. this out of the park. You fucking let me ride you till I come and I'm going to fucking suck 50 layers of skin right off your dick the next time I have it. In my <laughs> but if you make that face one more time, I'm going to put ice cubes in my throat. <laughs> you know? Okay. Take your pleasure. Take your pleasure. Be aggressive about it. Stop apologizing and stop worrying. Hard dick, it's all go. All right. All right? Okay. Hi, Dan. My name is Anne, and I have a bit of a family drama, I suppose. My little sister is making very bad choices with men. She is... um, being with men who are abusive, uh, one of these gentlemen uh, kicked down my mother's door, punched her in the face, uh, broke her nose, and then she and my mother let him, after he got out of jail, of course, let him move in with them for the brief period before he went to rehab. And now he's currently in rehab, and in the meantime, since she's completely unable to be without a man for more than five minutes, she started dating a 16-year-old. Um, he was dropped out of school, and from what other people have told me, he's a drug dealer. Uh, she is 21, 
She has two children already by two different men. Uh, the first father, baby daddy, she's actually married to him. <laughs> um, so that's another thing. Um, and I am seriously considering breaking off communication completely with this sister. Um, of course, what she's doing is not only completely illegal, it's also completely immoral, in my opinion. Uh, I know I should cast judgments on other people's sexual preferences, but somehow, even though it's a, a male and a female, um, 16 and a 21-year-old is still illegal and technically a pedophile. Um, so I was just wondering uh, if I should continue to make nice with my family. As you can tell, my mother does not um, actually, my mother does condone most of these actions and doesn't put her foot down. Continues to allow my sister to live with her with no job. The, the two children are not affected. Um, so should I cut off our contract or should I keep trying, make nice, pretend like all this isn't happening? Please pass judgment on your sister, not based on her sexual preference or sexual orientation, but based on the carnage that she's created, based on the damage that she is doing. Uh, to herself, uh, to these men, in theory, uh, to, to your mother's life, and most particularly to the lives of your nieces and nephews who are really trapped uh, with this clueless skank bitch hoe of a mom uh, who has lousy taste in men. Probably she's got low self-esteem, waka waka. I'll get a lot of calls saying I should never say anything rude. But you know what? Fuck her. Uh, I would In your shoes, I would have nothing to do with her, but I would have as much as I possibly could to do with her children. Uh, I'm not going to tell you to call and turn her in uh, for banging a 16-year-old boy, high school dropout drug dealer. Um, and that's not technically pedophilia. Pedophilia is a sexual interest in uh, pre-adolescence and children and prepubescence. Um, she obviously has a thing for young and damaged dudes. But if there's any way, if you have it in your heart, um, to take these children from her, for your mother to take these children from her, at a certain point, y'all going to have to step up to the plate and do the right thing, which is go for custody of these children. Because clearly your sister is not mature enough to parent them. The question for you is how long you're going to watch, stand by, do nothing, and watch your sister destroy the lives of these two innocent children that biology and uteruses and fallopian tubes and zygotes brought into the world. You know, thank God, at least they have a mother and a father, I'm sure the religious right would say right now, because every child deserves a mother and a father. And these two children have at least they have a mother and a father. Uh, they deserve better than the mother and father that they have. Perhaps that person is you. Perhaps that person is your mother, their grandmother gaining custody. But clearly, uh, your sister's on the big old flame out. And the, you know, the question again that your family faces is how long you're all going to stand around and do nothing while she destroys the lives of these two children. You're all going to have to step up to the plate and get those two children away from her. You know, all that is bonus advice. The question you put to me was legitimately, can you cut off all contact with your sister? Absolutely. You're not under any obligation to have ongoing contact with Anybody, anybody on earth. You can divorce your sister. You can divorce your parents. You can divorce your children. Um, you can walk away from any relationship that you like. But I would encourage you again to look to and look out for those poor kids. Hey, Dan. Uh, I'm 25 in Seattle, and I was wondering uh, if I'm just like the freakiest person 
probably not. But I was wondering, uh, lately I've uh, sort of realized that the only thing that really gets me off lately is thinking that someone wants to bear my children and someone wants me to impregnate them. Am I, the, am I alone in this? Or are there others out there that are as uh, insane and freaky and freak as me? Like, am I alone in the universe? Or is that something that other people do? No, you're not alone. Of course you're not alone. Uh, think about it. Sex and how it's all hardwired into our reptile brains is all about making fucking babies. Of course there are going to be men out there, lots and lots of men, who's, who regard their semen as this you know, powerful baby-making thunderbolt uh, that shoots out of their cocks and will be turned on by that idea. What you have to do is your, uh, you know, not your reptile brain, not your lower brain, your upper brain, your homo sapien brain needs to be in charge of your reptile brain and go, hey, I know it turns you on, reptile brain, to think about knocking everything up, to think about your powerful seed burrowing up the vaginal canal, knocking those eggs off the shelf, breaking them open, knocking her up. As much as that turns you on, a baby right now would totally fuck up my life and we're not ready to have a baby. I'm going to let you out when I'm ready to have children. I'm going to let you fucking go, Reptile Brain, and you are going to get to play that scenario out that I am going to fuck you and come on you and make you pregnant, my powerful fucking thunderbolt come, la la la. But right now, no. But you can totally enjoy the sensation. You can succumb to, you know, you can put the condom on your dick or you can put your dick in a partner who's on birth control and then suspend your disbelief and enjoy the fuck out of it. You can say, you know what, you know, I'm not wearing a condom in my imagination and I'm going to fucking knock you up, blah, bitch, I'll take it, now you're pregnant, la, la, la. Whatever you want to say, as long as she wants to hear it, go for it. But don't make the mistake of believing that you need to follow these reptile brain commands right now or that sex isn't hot or won't be fulfilling if you're not acting out uh, this baby-making uh, fantasy scenario that is turning your crank. Because it can be fulfilling, even if you are jumping in front of your reptile brain and preventing it from uh, having its way with uh, your spunk. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 22-year-old uh, female college senior, and I'm graduating in a couple of weeks. Uh, the last time I had sex was about four months ago. So being under the stress of finals and also haven't had any in a while, I really think I could... Um, I, I could use a good cathartic fuck. So my question for you is, what is the limit of how upfront and available I should make myself to um, preserve my dignity, especially if I'm only looking for, um, uh, well, a short-term fuck buddy, if not to just hit it and quit it. Um, I have this guy in mind whom I recently hooked up with. Um, we couldn't have sex because I was on my period, but uh, since I've been done with my period, I've asked him to, to come over late night and um, didn't really go anywhere. And I'm just wondering if I'm if I'm doing anything wrong or if he has any um, guidelines on how to get that kind of a point across better. The first thing you have to let go of when you become sexually active is any notion that you can be sexually active and get the things that you want while at the same time preserving your dignity. It's just... Not possible. You may accidentally uh, emerge with your dignity unscathed, but that would be a happenstance, a happy accident. It's not something you can have in the forefront of your mind. If your you know, primary goal is to move through life with your dignity intact, 
just don't have sex because sex requires you to make yourself vulnerable. Sex requires you to occasionally look ridiculous. Sex requires you to contort yourself into positions that no one looks dignified in. There's really nothing dignified about sex, which is part of what's great about sex because all of us, you know, we move through our lives, carry ourselves in a certain way, uh, act with a certain amount of propriety if we're not uh, that previous caller's sister. And one of the things that sex does for us is it sort of knocks ourselves off the pedestals that we ourselves put ourselves on and reminds us that we're animals and that we have needs and uh, that some of our needs are stronger and more powerful than we are. And they can really pull down the whole facade of the character that we present to the world. Now, this dude that you want to fuck, have you told him you want to fuck him? It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like you've invited him over and you've hung out and you're sort of thinking, God, it would be nice to get fucking fucked. And he may be thinking, I'm sort of getting signals from her that she might want to be fucking fucked, but she hasn't really made a move and I don't want to make a move. Like, who knows what's going through his head? I don't. You could. He's in the room with you. You could ask. You could say. You could tell. You could just admit why you invited him over. Just toss it out on the table. Graduating tense need a fuck. You want to be that fuck? Let's fuck. Who knows what he'll say? He might say yes. I would say the odds are pretty good that he would say yes because he has a penis and men are pigs. Men are like that. Men like to fuck. But, you know, maybe he'll say no. And that's what you're really worried about. That's why you probably you haven't done this. I'm sure it's occurred to you. You haven't done it because you're worried that if he says no, if he rejects you, that you'll be mortified, you'll have made yourself vulnerable and been rejected, and that your dignity will be shattered. Well, yeah, that's the risk we all run when we hit on people. They might say no, and then we're going to feel bad, and we're going to feel like we made the asses of ourselves, because we did. And you know what? We must. You have to, or you will never get fucked ever again. If you want to at least risk dinging up your dignity and making an ass of yourself. Hi, Dan. Uh, yeah, I'm from California. Just want to make a comment on the last podcast of the woman who uh, interrupted in the uh, older man's chasing after the younger, very drunk gay man. Um, as a person who has been a victim of very unpleasant situations, both from men and women uh, when I was younger, uh, there are two different kinds of people when it comes to people who are seeking out relationships, um, when it comes to older to younger. There are those who will take the time to get to know, to cultivate and develop a relationship before trying to bag someone, and there are those who are simply in it for the sex, and it's very clear. Um, so I'm fully in support. I have some friends who are... 10, 20 years apart, and they have incredible relationships, um, and I'm very, very happy for them. But it is very obvious from the very beginning when that is not the case. All right. Thanks very much for your call uh, and your feedback. I, I want to agree with you, and I want to endorse uh, what you had to say. But I do want to say, though, that not all older, younger relationships uh, prove their worth uh, if a long-term relationship that's loving emerges from it, uh, I think that you can be in it for the sex and still be respectful and still be 
uh, on the up and up uh, and still honor the campsite rule, leaving somebody in better shape than you found them, which I think is uh, the honest on the older person and a much older, uh, younger uh, – in a relationship where there's a very large age gap. Uh, I think that there are times when even a one-night stand with a much older person can be you know, good for the older person if they're into the younger person and good for the younger person if they're treated well and treated respect with respect uh, and treated like a human being and not, a, not just a piece of meat. Um, and I've seen that happen and, you know, that happened to me when I was younger. So I know it's possible. Uh, but all these things have to be judged on a case by case basis. And I do think that people have a right and a responsibility to step in if they see somebody uh, being picked off by someone they think doesn't have their best interests in heart, uh, in a bar in a situation like that. And I supported what that woman did when she saw the younger, very drunk boy being macked on by the older, presumably less drunk dude. Uh, but then, you know, after you step in, after you have your say, you kind of have to step back and let people make their own choices and sometimes let people make their own mistakes and not always assume that where there's a large age gap or a large power gap, uh, that abuse is uh, inherent uh, and that the relationship, even if it only lasts an evening, is illegitimate and damaging. Taint necessarily so. Individual results may vary. All right, we're going to leave it there for the week. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. Please call, record a question for next week's show, and leave a callback number in case we want to call you up and yell at you live and in person. But before we go, we wanted to give a quick shout out to Tim. Uh, he's a lead singer of The Popovers. They're the band that recorded the intro and outro uh, that you hear every week on Savage Love. For a long time, we didn't have an intro and outro of our very own. And uh, the Popovers, who are based in North Carolina, were listening, and they wrote a couple of tracks for us that we loved and we've been using ever since. And Tim's having kind of a hard time right now medically, and we wanted to uh, wish Tim uh, the very best and tell him that we're keeping him in our thoughts. And if you want to hear more of the Popovers music, you can hear it at myspace.com slash thepopovers. So once again, Tim, we're thinking of you. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And me and the incredibly sweaty tech-savvy at-risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening. Best wishes, Tim. Mm-hmm.